Well, we mustn't keep our public waiting, huh? It's showtime, Phil. Coming to you from an undisclosed location, thousands of fathoms beneath the sea, this is the Deep Dive Podcast. All ahead, one-third. Up scope. Battle stations. Battle stations! Hello, divers! Welcome once again to the Deep Dive Podcast. We've seen our shadows, which means six more weeks of podcasts. Sorry about that. Uh, my name is Tom Feeney, writer for Wang's Job Movie Magazine, issue 11.5, now available in black and white or gorgeous color on Amazon.com. And with me, as always, is my very timely co-host. What? Oh, sorry, I missed the cue. I'm, I'm ahead. I'm ahead of myself. Oh. <laughs> my no. name is Manda. Oh, boy. What year is it? Who's the president? It begins. Uh, first of all, 2019. Second of all, you don't want to know. Okay. All right. Sorry about that. I had a few time travel jokes lined up, but nobody laughed. Yeah, I think the time has passed. Um, <laughs> Get it? Hey, yeah. <laughs> oh, boy, you all are in for a treat, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, it's going to be good. All right. So this is going to be our Groundhog Day episode. And since, you know, we, well, okay, I'm just going to have to say this. Uh, because it's a Groundhog Day show, we actually invited... Punxsutawney Phil, the famous groundhog, down to the bathosphere for an interview. We, I you wrote know, the application. Yeah. But unfortunately, we miscalculated the effects of deep sea pressure on mammalian whistle pigs. Um, what arrived wasn't good. Mm. Um, I don't know if it was technically Punxsutawney Phil anymore. No, no, it really wasn't. Um, so I want to extend our deepest apologies yeah. on behalf of everyone here. To the people of Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania, um, just so you know, we're mailing Phil back to you. Um, it's going to be in a container marked Rodent Chutney. Um, so there. Yeah. We're I sorry. did put his little top hat in there, though. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, I thought so. Where? Oh, well. I couldn't recognize where his head was. At least a piece of it. Okay. Yeah. That's fair enough. Ah, so speaking of Groundhog Day, yes. we are tackling one of my personal favorite genres, time yes. travel. Yes. Now, I know technically that the movie Groundhog Day is not a time travel movie. It's more of a time loop mm. thing, but mm-hmm. it still counts. Yes. So ever since H.G. Wells' The Time Machine, way back in 1895, the concept of using artificial means to time travel has been a really popular subject of books, films, and television. So the vast number of stories involving alternate realities, butterfly effects, paradoxes, mm. etc., that could take a whole lot of, um, you know, time to unravel. <clears throat> or a really bad Ashton Kutcher film? Yeah. So <laughs> that's what we're focusing on. We're going to focus on some of our favorite time travel time movies. travel. Amanda. Yes. It's time. It's my time. Yes, it is. It is my time. Use it wisely. <laughs> All right. I got a couple of picks for you. Mm-hmm. First one I loved. Oh, man. This one's called Iceman. Uh, 2014. It's actually a movie from Hong Kong, so it probably could have fit into last episode. Remember we did the foreign films? That's right. I know it was so long ago. That was in the past, or was it? Or was it? Dun-dun-dun. Okay. <laughs> uh, anyways, Iceman, 
2014, directed by Law Wing Chung, and I'm so sorry if I butchered your name, and it's starring Donnie Yen. He apparently is Hong Kong's, like, top... Oh, I like Donnie Yen. He's right? an uh, IP man, or IP man, or whatever you want to Something call it. Something like that, and yeah, he's, yeah. like, the top action star in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. For this role specifically, he actually won an award called the Golden Broom. Um, sadly, the award was for worst actor. Oh. But, um, you know what? It's still prestigious. But he was eyes. so good in Blade 2. <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyways, um, here's this. Picture this. Picture a Midwestern meets a martial arts film. Mm-hmm. Like Will Smith meets the Golden Lotus. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, <laughs> plot is sort of like this. There is a soldier from the Ming Dynasty. Now we're talking a long, long time ago. He's sent on a secret mission. He has to find this artifact, which is in India. It's an ancient Indian artifact. And a, supposedly it allows the uh, bearer to travel through time, mm. space, all that fun stuff. So he, of course, says, I'm going to go find it. He finds it. But he's betrayed. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. He's betrayed by people he thought were his friends, his childhood Ugh. friends. And so... Can you be betrayed by enemies? Is that possible? Hmm. But I don't think he knew that they were enemies beforehand. Uh, I see. Yeah, he didn't have the hindsight. Okay. Couldn't go back in time for that one. Oh, or the foresight. Oh. Depending how you word it. There's too much going on right now. I'm confused. <laughs> Anyways, um, <laughs> so he gets this relic, right? And in the process, in their kind of scuffle and the shuffle of being betrayed and trying to get escape these people, he really kind of gets frozen. Mm. Hence the Ice Man oh, title. Oh, gotcha. He's frozen in a state. Now, not necessarily in time, but he's frozen. Um, many, many, many years later, we're talking about modern day Hong Kong, they discover him. And to preserve him, like, not unlike the sort of real Iceman that they found uh, a few years ago, they put him in sort of a cryogenic chamber, and they're going to just keep him alive. Now, what was the first thing that you would do if you woke up from a giant sleep like this? Or even a really long sleep? Mm, In and out burger? No, you would probably go use the restroom. Oh, then have in and out Gotcha. Yes, that in and out In fact, the first scene of this movie is um, <laughs> this character. He is, let's say, expelling all the held over liquid that he's had over the last like millennia. Oh. Yeah. Oh, like Austin Powers. Y- yeah, exactly. This is not really mojo, though. This is like... Oh. Yeah. Groovy. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, he's discovered he's in modern day Hong Kong now. He has no idea what's going on, but he still retains his martial arts skills. Of course. And uh, he has to fight off all these people who are trying to figure out who he is and what he's doing. Meanwhile, still trying to find the artifact and I guess complete his mission. Mm-hmm. Not realizing that, of course, um, it is like a thousand years later. So basically the story follows him and he finds his comrades, which are his childhood friends, and they figure out who's behind it. They figure out why he was betrayed. Um, and then essentially the <laughs> the ending sort of, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to ruin it for anybody, but really he has to integrate himself into modern day. I guess the hilarity comes in that these martial arts sort of um, flying through trapeze sort of movements are are imbued in this movie. And I guess you could kind of leave them behind, but it makes sense, right? He's a soldier. (laughs) He has to do a martial arts move off of a lantern post and land in a truck. Like you you do. You do that. Yeah, especially. Mm -hmm. Um... Anyways, that's my first pick. You can stream this on Netflix for free, or if you are so inclined, you can purchase it on Amazon for six ninety nine or Google Play for eight ninety nine. Wow, not... way to go, Google Play! Way yeah, to, normally you know. they have like wow. similar pricing, yeah. but I guess they just you know they needed to get that one right. Uh, Metacritic thirty two percent, Rotten Tomatoes seventeen percent. 
Wow. IMDb gives it a 4.8. I'm giving it a 5.6. And I figured I'd just do the shaking up the 6. I have no idea what the other point four. Okay. And that's on the Amanda scale. Yeah, that's on the M&M. Yep. Yes. Yep. I'm we're doing the M&M. <laughs> the Mandometer? Um, the Mandometer. Yeah. Gotcha. M&M. Woo-hoo. Is that metric system or? Uh, no, it's still stuck in the Imperial. Mandemeter? Is that, Mandemeter? Is that it? Okay. okay. Um, don't have the time for this. Oh. So, oh yeah. And um, anyways, really love it. I love the uh, history part of it because you know I'm a nerd like that. Um, I thought it was just hilarious. And the dubbing is so funny. Ooh. Yeah. It, <laughs> you have to watch it. Um, especially if it's on Netflix for free, you should just give it a try before it goes away. But yeah, that's my first one. Iceman. Iceman. So good. <laughs> my second one, definitely my favorite of the two. Brace yourself. This one is from 1984. It's called The Philadelphia Experiment. Ooh, like the cream cheese. <laughs> yes, except this one is not a craft. Well, it's kind of about a craft, like an ocean craft. Yes. Oh, Whoa, way to make those connections. Yeah, did it. Anyways, it's a movie, but it's based on the urban legend of the same name. It was October 1943. The United States government authorized an experiment that would render its ships undetectable by radar. The experiment took place on a ship in Philadelphia Harbor. Generators activated, sir. For 41 years, the government denied it ever happened. I don't believe this. The Eldridge has vanished. Of course she has. She's radar invisible. No, sir. She's really vanished. Have you heard about it? Oh, I have heard about it quite a bit, yes. Yes, extensively. USS Eldridge. I know a lot about the Philadelphia Experiment, being originally from Philadelphia and having performed experiments in the past. (laughs) I do know quite a bit about it. (laughs) So, yes. Okay, well, for anyone who doesn't know about it, quick scenario. Um... The USS Eldridge, which is a battle destroyer, right? There is a urban legend that, it, of course, it disappeared. And it was sent through time and space. And it's never, of course, been proven. But funnily enough, this story came about after a very sort of infamous UFO um, writer, like a fiction or fiction writer, mm-hmm. was uh, sent a mysterious package. <laughs> and he initially was like nope that's hokey i don't want it but then the naval people got involved and we're like hey we see that your name's involved in these weird classified papers and so of course like everything else it leaves room for interpretation and mm-hmm. of course for generations to go back and pick apart right and find more evidence etc 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 there's a lot of conspiracy theories on the internet regarding the philadelphia experiment yes check uh, it out it is pretty cool in fact the one that i if it if anything did happen like that, yeah. my theory that I have looked into would be that they were trying to use electromag- electromagnets, powerful electromagnets, to divert torpedoes from their course. Now, in the process of that, some weird stuff might have happened. I don't know. But that is, from what I've, I've seen, that would be my theory. That's what they were trying to do. They weren't trying to travel through tri- time or anything like that. Yeah. It was to either make themselves radar invisible or divert torpedoes using electromagnets. I don't know. But it's still cool to think about. <laughs> you have spent a lot of time oh, on have. this. <laughs> I have. Believe me. I'll tell you, I think I talked about it a couple episodes ago, rabbit holes, they are a thing. Yes. This is more like a porthole. But like, <laughs> yes, oh. yes. But uh, yeah, it would lead me into some strange things. And we're talking about like 1950s time, which mm-hmm. of course is famous for like Area 51, aliens everywhere and Roswell, uh, Roswell, all of that stuff. But back to the choice, mm. the movie, the movie is loosely based on that. Right. So 
Um, basic plot is there are two sailors uh, in 1943 who are, are aboard a ship, right? Which um, sort of, uh, ex- not experiments, but sort of machines are being created to help um, disguise them from radar, essentially. Um, and of course, things start to go wrong. So something happens. They get all um, smoky and electric is mm, going everywhere. Yes. And they're like, oh my God, we can't stop it. So they try to stop it, but like they get electrocuted. It's, it's this weird thing. So in that case, um, what do they do? They jump over the side because of course the ship is docked yeah. in Philadelphia Harbor. Mm-hmm which I suppose that's where it gets the name from. Yep. Um, they jump over and they land. They think they're going to land in the water, but boom, they don't. They land in a desert. Well, a, a very sandy place, let's say. Um, and <laughs> unbeknownst to them, they land in 1984. <laughs> yeah, so they travel through time. Um, basically, they make their way to a diner, which is interesting. I think all these movies have something where someone lands in a diner. <laughs> they have to find like where they're at, and there's always a mysterious diner somewhere. But um, in the diner, there's like a weird arcade system. Not an arcade, but like a game. And one of the sailors goes to like touch it, but he like electric expels from him. And so that's the first inclination that like something is really weird here. We have no idea what's going on. So um, instead of paying for the damage they've caused, they run out, they carjack somebody. And um, it happens to be a woman. And the woman tells them, hey, dudes, you're actually in 1984. And they're all like, what? Mind blown. So they're trying to figure out their past, what's going on with it. Um, Essentially, what it comes down to is that they have to go back. They have to figure out a way to prevent this from happening. Now, they, she tells them that in the past, in 1943, the ship didn't go anywhere and come back. It disappeared for a quick second and came back. And then soldiers were burned and people were mm. not feeling good. And there was one soldier who was like sent to a sanatorium for talking about how he traveled to the future. So now we're getting into that weird like butterfly effect where some sort of small um, occurrence changes for a huge occurrence later on. Um, you know, like butterfly effect in like a I think the way it's explained whereas the flap of a butterfly wing could cause a tornado somewhere else something like that um so the journey of the movie is them trying to go back to prevent one the malfunction of the systems and and not get thrown into time Mm -hmm. um but what ends up happening is that you know one of the sailors falls in love with the woman they carjacked so he doesn't want to go back but his other friend does because he saw his wife like in the future and he's really sad about it and all this weird stuff. So they go back and um, essentially what happens, he prevents, one of the sailors prevents the malfunction because he actually takes some sort of electrical suit with him and he jumps overboard again, (laughs) leaving the other sailor there, but he jumps over and I guess they're they're presuming that he's going to go back to that woman um, because he loves her so much, which actually they do. And she's driving a Jeep at the end of the movie, which is really super cool because it was a really old Jeep. And I was like, yeah, Jeep. Um, but because <laughs> everyone knows, you know, yeah. I like Jeeps, you know. I, yeah. yeah, everyone, I, yeah. they know now. They Just know. like they know the ending of the movie now. Oh, is- I'm so sorry. I told them. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, good movie based on the urban legend, <laughs> The Philadelphia Experiment. I thought it was great because it was a 1984 movie, but it was like super, I don't want to say ahead of its time, but it was one of the first movies I think that I've seen from this 
sort of time period that pulled in um, a lot of modernity, which is still applicable today, even though it was 1984, mm-hmm. right? Um, so yeah, very good movie. It, Metacritic gave it a 44%, which I suppose isn't really that high. No, no. RMDB gave it a 6.1 over like 2,000 votes, so it's, it's a lot. Rotten Tomatoes, eh, dead 15%, or 50%, I should say, excuse me, right in the middle. I'm giving it a 7.5%. I love the concept. I learned so much trying to research this film. (laughs) Huge rabbit hole. And also she's driving a Jeep. Okay. So that's my picks. Very nice. Very nice. So, uh, oddly enough, and we did not know this before we recorded this episode, (laughs) that uh, I, my pick is somewhat, somewhat similar to one of your picks. Mm -hmm. So my, uh, my first film. I mean, I knew. I just Well. Yeah. Yeah. My first film uh, is called The Final Countdown. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to cut that out and play the actual song. Okay, continue. So, anyway, the final countdown, uh, starring Kirk Douglas, Martin Sheen, and Catherine Ross. This film was released in 1980, mm. and basically it takes place on board a nuclear aircraft carrier called the USS Nimitz. And it takes it starts off in the modern times, uh, or in the modern times of 1980. 1980, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> just not really modern times anymore, but we'll go with it. So, uh, the USS Nimitz is stationed near... Pearl Harbor. Hmm. And when it sets out to sea, it encounters this weird kind of time vortex phenomena that looks like something you'd see at a planetarium that's, you know, playing Laser Floyd. Um, (laughs) So basically they travel back in time uh, to a point before the devastating attack on Pearl Harbor that prompted the United States to enter World War II. This is the captain. I'm speaking to every man aboard this ship. The storm has had some effect on time, as we know it. It it created a portal. A door into another era. Today is December the 7th, 1941. We're about to fight a battle that was lost before most of you were born. This time, God's help is going to be different. Welcome to the paradox of time, when past and present become one, and history is actually changed. The final countdown. As you can imagine, the crew is in a bit of a quandary here. <laughs> the captain, who is played by Kirk Douglas, uh, that's kind of a bad impression of Kirk Douglas. Oh, okay. Um, I has know what that to. Is. Yeah, that's okay. It's uh, it's Michael Douglas's father. Who's Michael Douglas? I'm ending this right now. Okay. So, the captain has to decide whether or not to use the massive firepower of this nuclear aircraft carrier to destroy the Japanese fleet before they are able to attack Pearl Harbor. So, they would be altering the course of history. By using nuclears before Pearl Harbor. Well, not not necessarily. It was a nuclear-powered sub. I mean, right. nuclear-powered aircraft carrier, but they had fighter jets and all kinds of firepower oh, on oh. there that Tom would, va- yeah, that would vastly outclass anything of that era. Maverick. So they could, yeah, they could pretty much destroy the Japanese fleet 
before they had the opportunity wow. to attack Pearl Harbor. Yeah, and that's kind of what's really cool about this. That, that's the debate that's going on here. Yeah. So they are debating whether or not to change history or leave things alone and let them run their natural course while at the same time, time trying to figure out how they can get back. Uh-huh. So uh, it's actually really cool because this movie... Uh, got the full cooperation of the U.S. Navy. So they were able to shoot on board the actual aircraft carrier. Really? And a lot of this film, it's amazing. It's almost like a recruitment video (laughs) for the Navy because uh, it really goes through what life is like on an aircraft carrier. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, what the chain of command is like, what the daily lives of of the sailors are like, all of that. And it's really interesting to see that kind of stuff. Right, but not necessarily in a negative way. Not in a negative way at all. Free right? press for the Navy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it's really it, it's really cool to because you get a lot of that uh, nuts and bolts stuff that you never really knew about what life would be like on an aircraft carrier. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, but along with that, it's, it's actually a really fun movie because you've got this uh, historical debate going on. Uh, do we interfere? Do we not interfere? What would happen if we did something? You know, what would the world be like when we got back? Would it be better? Would it be worse? Um, and it's it's actually it's really really cool, and the performances are really good because you got Kirk Douglas, Martin Sheen, who's fantastic always, mm-hmm. uh, and they take it seriously. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it it takes its time travel rules kind of seriously too. It's not just oh let's go kill Hitler. You know, hey, hey, what could go wrong with that? You know, uh, they really worry about the consequences of altering history, uh, no matter how tempting it might be. Because you think about it, if you were, if you could prevent that kind of catastrophe, would you? But what would happen if you did? If you stopped uh, the attack on Pearl Harbor, it might take longer for the United States to enter World War II, and it may have taken longer for World War II to actually be over. Right, and might have cost more lives. Yeah, so, you know, you throw that pebble in the pond and you have no idea what the repercussions are going to be. That's blowing my mind right now. It's really awesome. That's what um, it's, you know, it's a 1980 film and it's a little, it's a little hammy sometimes, of course. Um, Ham the, radio. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> the actors, you know, the actors chew the scenery like it's made out of sweet, sweet caramel. <laughs> um, but all in all... Yeah. It is a great way to spend a couple hours going back in time. Actually, you're going back in time twice because you go back to 1980 and then you go back even further to 1941. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just a fun movie. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's almost like the end of a certain era of films because you've got some, you know, you've got Kirk Douglas who was kind of like an old time movie star, uh, you know, playing sort of the elder statesman of the captain. Um, and it has kind of an older sensibility to it while at the same time introducing some interesting special effects and concepts that you might not see at that time, usually right. in a movie. So I really, really enjoyed The Final Countdown. I have for a long time. Uh, it actually gets a, a, a 6.7 out of 10 on IMDb. Not bad. Um, only a 40% on Rotten Tomatoes, which I don't think is, you know, really... That fair? That fair, no. Mm. Um, the Final Countdown is available for free on Tubi and Vudu. Oh, yeah. Uh, and you can get it on Amazon Prime if you have a subscription. You can mm-hmm. get it for free. So that uh, that's my first pick. My second pick is, is a, a much, much different. Um, <laughs> earlier in the show, I mentioned H.G. Wells. Mm-hmm. And sort of he is kind of the star of my next pick, which is Time After Time. Cindy Lauper. Exactly. It's actually about a, a, a girl who's very unusual, who likes to have fun. Um, so is this about music or movies? Yeah, who knows, eh, really. Okay, whatever. <laughs> so this film stars Malcolm McDowell, 
from, of course, A Clockwork Orange and many other films. Mm. Uh, Mary Steenburgen, who was in another time travel movie in Back to the Future 3. Uh, and the great David Warner, who also was in another time movie, Time Bandits. There's a lot of that, <laughs> a lot of convergence going on there. Uh, this was released in 1979. It was directed by Nicholas Meyer, who also directed uh, two of the Star Trek movies. Uh, and it's based on a novel uh, by Carl Alexander. The time is 1893, and novelist and inventor H.G. Wells invites you to join him on a flight from London to San Francisco. In under a minute, you will be transported to a bizarre and fantastic new age. Today. In this particular story, uh, we begin in Victoria-era London. Oh, nice. And H.G. Wells, the actual author H.G. Wells, who is played by Malcolm McDowell, he's got he's having a dinner party with some of his friends. But he's got an announcement to make. Mm. So he he basically tells his uh, his colleagues there at the dinner party that he has actually invented the time machine that he wrote about. <laughs> Apparently using a lot of gears and things because it's, you know, steampunk. Um, <laughs> Goggles away. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, of course, most of his colleagues are like, are you out of your mind? No, of course. This is not real. You, this is just something you, it's like a toy that you build. It doesn't really travel through time. And, and of course, he's really disappointed that they don't believe him. Right. Um, however, there is one person at that dinner party that actually does believe Wells' story about the time machine. And that's a man named John Leslie Stevenson. He's a surgeon in London. Uh... He's played by David Warner, but he's got a secret. Mm -hmm. John Leslie Stevenson is also Jack the Ripper, (gasps) right? And his, up until now, his identity has remained a secret. That changes, though, because during the dinner party, right after Wells shows off his time machine, there's a knock on the door, and it is the local police. And they found a, a medical bag with bloody gloves in it that... Matched uh, matched up with Dr. Stevenson. Okay. And so basically, you know, they, they come to Wells' home to confront Stevenson about being Jack the Ripper. And Wells is like, are you kidding me? That's not possible. He would never do that. He's not that kind of a person, blah, blah, blah. Right. And he says, John, why don't you tell him yourself? And he's gone. <laughs> so he actually ran into Wells' basement and stole the time machine. Of course. So now... He's God knows where in time. Or when. Or when, exactly. Uh, And luckily, and H.G. Wells was a smart guy, so um, there's a a key, right? A key that you put in the time machine. Mm -hmm. And there, it's a, a, uh, if the key is not left in the machine, it will automatically return back to the place where it came from and the year that it came from. Okay. So after Jack the Ripper steals the time machine, it automatically, after a certain period, returns to Wells' place. Right. So, and of course, the last destination was left in the time machine, so he knows where Jack the Ripper went. Okay. Which happens to be 1979 San Francisco. Of course. Probably the most culture shocky place you could send someone from Victorian era London. Yeah. Right? So H.G. Uh, Wells pursues Jack the Ripper, who now that his identity is revealed, is full on Jack the Ripper now. He doesn't care. Right. He's like, he's not pretending anymore. Uh, so basically he, Jack the Ripper, 
embraces this new situation that he's in. Because, and he tells this at one point, he tells this to H.G. Wells, he says, uh, you know, um, in my time, I was a monster. Now, I'm just an amateur. Because he, he loves this kind of violent uh, era of the 1970s, uh, and he is completely in his element now. That's kind of scary. Yeah. So he's like, I'm full on Jack the Ripper now. I've got all these, you know, all these women to kill and all this oh. stuff. So he's like, he's going, he's going crazy. Um, so H.G. Uh, Wells, however, when he arrives in San Francisco, not so fortunate. Um, he was a man who, for his time, was incredibly progressive. Mm-hmm. But even he had no idea what the late 70s were going to be like. <laughs> uh, and once again, culture shock abounds. He has absolutely no idea where, what to do, where he, you know, what's, what everything is about. He's really super confused. So, and he's got to figure out how to track down Jack the Ripper. <laughs> so in his mind, he figures out, okay, what's, what's one thing that he, that Jack the Ripper would need most of all? And that's money. He had older money. He's probably going to find a place to try to exchange that money or sell it or do something with it. So he manages to find out from a, uh, a bank teller who was played uh, by Mary Steenburgen. And basically this weird little bespectacled man, H.G. Wells, makes, a, makes an impression on this woman. And basically she, for some reason, kind of trusts him because he seems like so out of place, like a fish out of water. You do. And so she agrees to kind of help him out, mm. not realizing that she is getting into something really bad. <laughs> this, this back and forth, this cat and mouse game between H.G. Wells and Jack the Ripper. And of course, she does wind up, you know, uh, getting in his, being a target in his sights. Um, and of course, uh, without giving away too much, uh, you know, it's one of those things where, oh, I've got to travel back in time to prevent something awful from happening to certain some people, uh-huh. you know, and, and to do that. So um, it's really, really cool. It's a fun, it, There's a lot of funny stuff in this movie. Right. The performances are great. David Warner is incredibly scary as Jack the Ripper. Yeah. Um, and what I really like is that the time travel rules make sense. And for me, that's huge because I hate it when they just sort of, you know... Play fast and loose. Like, come on, how could he do that? That doesn't, you know, that's you need not going to work. Yeah, yeah, even though time travel, you know, you're stretching plausibility anyway. You need but to ground you a little bit. You got to have some internal rules. Yeah, you know, exactly. to make it seem believable. Mm-hmm. Um, but all in all, it, it's it's got suspense. It's got comedy. Uh, it's got some scares. It's very. It can be very intense at times. Uh, but all in all, it's just a great ride. Yeah, I mean, it's such a fun movie. Uh, it gets my highest recommendation I can give. Really? Uh, yeah. Um, so time after time, and by the way, they made a TV series out of it that lasted like three episodes. Not good. So don't bother <laughs> with that. Uh, time after time does get a 7.1 out of 10 okay. on IMDb and 86% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. So that's a good score. It's yeah. a really charming movie. Uh, <laughs> it's available to rent for $2.99 on many platforms, including iTunes, Vudu, YouTube, PlayStation Store, and Google Play. Mm. So those are my two main picks. I've got some honorable mentions that I'd like to... Oh, yeah, me too. You go first. Do we have time? (laughs) Thank you. Uh, So my my first one is a movie called Primer. Mm. Now, this has to be the most confusing time travel movie (laughs) 
ever made. I'm not going to try to describe the plot to you. Okay. But there's no special effects, uh, no explosions, no action of any kind. It is basically these two geeky engineer guys that inadvertently invent something that allows them to travel in kind of a time loop. Okay. And... Basically, they keep doing it over and over again. So there's becoming more and more versions of themselves in this time loop. And it, it just, it's so mind-boggling. It's fascinating to watch if you if you really want to pay attention. Uh, but you really have to pay attention. Um, and even after it, you really have no clue what's going on. There are websites that have really intense charts and graphs about each <laughs> time they traveled and where they are in each timeline and all that. It is unbelievably That's a lot of investment. It's very complex. So, if you, you know, if you if you want to torture yourself, you know, I'd check it out just for the sheer craziness of it. But it's it's re- it's a very quiet film. There's like I said no action. It's just all <laughs> trying to figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. Next one, Time Cop. I love this movie. Jean-Claude Van Damage. Yes. <laughs> That's what the he's got a helmet on a very small slit, right? That one was that RoboCop. Ro- That's RoboCop. Oh, yes. sorry. Anyways, so continue. He is, uh, Van Damme plays a time cop or uh, someone in the Time Enforcement Commission that is charged with protecting the timeline. Um, The rules make no sense. Usually (laughs) that's something that I hate. Right. But the time travel rules are really weird, don't make any sense, but it gives Van Damme a chance to high kick a few people. Um, (laughs) It's got some cool special effects in it for the the, uh, mid-90s time that it came out. Um, and it's just, it's just goofy fun. Mm-hmm. It's a goofy movie, uh, but I love it. <laughs> and last but not least. Copyright Disney. Yes. Edge of Tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow. It's like Groundhog Day, but with more aliens, more explosions, and more Tom Cruise. Oh. So it's this one where he's a soldier that keeps getting killed and coming back each time he gets killed at the same point in time. And he's sort of recruited to become a soldier to fight these aliens. But each mm-hmm. time he gets killed, something is learned in the meantime. And, you know, he gets better and better at fighting, better and better at killing aliens, better and better. So he keeps going through this loop. So it's Groundhog Day, but he's got to kill aliens. Hmm. It's actually really good. Um, but you said it had Tom Cruise in it. Yeah. <laughs> it had Tom Cruise in it. Yeah. The original, it's funny, the original title for this movie, because Edge of Tomorrow is the worst title of all. It sounds like a soap opera. It was called Live, Die, Repeat. <laughs> yeah, that was the original title. It actually would have been better. It, it, it would have yeah. been better. They actually put that on the box, the DVD box, instead of like Edge of Tomorrow. And I think they're doing a sequel to it, too, because oh, it was actually man. pretty successful when it came out. Oh, okay. So Edge of Tomorrow, check it out. It's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. So go ahead with your honorable mentions. I was just going to say, of course, you know I love Outlander. And Outlander is all about time travel. Do you know the premise of it? I do know the premise of it. Um, yes, because I'm married and I have a wife who <laughs> enjoys the bodice rippers, especially oh the Scottish God. ones. Oh. And the kilts. Thankfully, I uh, I have not been subjected. Well, so. let me tell you. Quick breakdown, right? Claire, who is a 1940s World War II nurse... She is in Scotland for her sort of second honeymoon with her husband. And she goes up to a place called Craignadoon, which is a circle. It's almost kind of like, um, what's that big rock formation in England? There you go. It's kind of like a mini Stonehenge. And um, she essentially falls through the stones and falls through time to that exact space 200 years previous. Back to like 
Scottish Civil War against the English. Um, you know, basically when people were still living in castles and Very Bravehearty and Bravehearty exactly. Although a little bit sort of later than Bravehearty, but yeah, you get the idea. Um, she falls in love as you do. Right. And it's kind of her journey through that time and well, kind of her failed attempts to change history. Because in this scenario, unlike with your first movie, they're all gung ho for it. They're we're gonna change history. We're gonna make sure that this doesn't happen. And unfortunately in it's kind of you really can't. There's some areas of time where you just can't change. Things are going to happen. Yep. But anyways, it's really good. Yes, everyone thinks it's a chick thing. But mm-hmm. apparently the books are really great. I haven't read them, but they're really good. The show is really amazing. In fact, I think the by the time that we're recording this, the season finale of season four will be up. So that's going to be something really cool to watch. I can't wait to text my best friend. Yeah, so if you like uh, Harry Scotsman with bad teeth, this is the one for you. <laughs> anyways, yeah, you can watch that on the Stars app. Um, I think I mentioned last episode, too, they're doing this deal where you can do five bucks for three months. Oh, yeah, that's every, not too bad. Yeah, not too bad. Also, last thing, did you know that in London there's a Jack the Ripper tour? Yeah, it's just outside the Tower of London. Does and... anybody ever finish it? <laughs> anyways, anyways, they go to like these certain spots where they found, like, you know, ladies. and mm. it, It's very interesting. But, yeah. Anyways, this is a good episode. I think so, too. You know? That's what I told um, myself. Yeah, so I think we have uh, reached the end of this particular installment of the Deep Dive podcast. This timeline. Or was it the beginning? Ooh, dun dun dun. See when I did there? Yeah, what? Wait. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> we'll be back soon for our Valentine's Day episode, which we promise will be oh. less depressing and heartbreaking than the actual Valentine's Day. <laughs> uh, so for those of you sticking around, stay tuned for Carney Talk the only podcast created by and for carnival folk. <laughs> Today's topic, using an old oily bandana to keep the Ferris wheel running when you go to the porta potty All right. How are we still producing these? I have no idea. Huh. I really don't. All right. Are you ready? I've been born ready. Okay. I was born ready. Weddy? <laughs> Weddy. All right, we'll edit that part out. Uh, okay, so let's do this. Here, Swish, no, Special thanks to Spirits of the Symphonic and Echocraft for our amazing theme music. Links to both artists can be found on our website, thedeepdivepodcast.podbean.com. If you like us, you can subscribe on iTunes, Podbean, Overcast, or wherever fine podcasts are found. The Deep Dive Podcast is a production of Automaton Media.